Before we kick off this episode, just want to say a quick thank you so much to Jennifer and Toby, who support us at the highest level of Rainbow Parent on our Patreon. We love you. On with the podcast. Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema, one glorious genre at a time. I'm Rowan Ellis. And I, I am Jazza John. Each episode, we discuss a movie from a different genre of cinema. This episode's genre is Queer, Queer Hallmark. Hallmark. Ho, ho, ho. Today, we are going to be talking about how Hallmark, the company that does greeting cards, but also for some reason also does movies, have gone from banning gay ads to producing queer movies of their own in three years flat. Also, um, the movie itself, uh, which is called The Holiday Sitter. But before we get triggered by the mere mention of pancakes, as the lead does in this movie, which is a scene we will be going in. I'm so glad that Jadza has mentioned this in the intro because we will be diving deep into that particular choice by the director and actor. Uh, Jazza, what's the gayest thing that you've done since the last episode? Rowan, I may actually have had the gayest month of my life. Oh, tell me everything. So I... Except, like, like... Tell me everything in about 60 seconds. Yeah, we've got to get on with the episode. Yeah, I could tell you about the fact that I um, went to a Sugar Babes concert oh, and now wear God. their merch all of the time. Um, I could tell you about the fact that I have moved to New York. But don't worry, there'll be lots of other Stunning. opportunities for us to be able to do that. I could tell you about the fact that in the last two weeks, I have gone on seven dates. Oh my and I'm God. going on my eighth one <gasps> With the this same evening. person or seven different boys? No, different. don't be stupid. Um, all, the, all the dwarves. <laughs> yeah, all of the... <laughs> Snow White. <laughs> I'm Snow White. Oh yeah, God, 100%. <laughs> but I'm instead going to tell you about the one of the most embarrassing celebrity encounters I have ever had. When I was saying goodbye to London, one of my final nights out with friends was at the Glory pub, uh, which is in North London. And we were watching this drag show and who happens to be beside me but Bowen Yang from... No. SNL no, and you're lying and, and Fire Island. Uh, no, I cannot that's, believe that it's you've real. kept this story for. The I part. have. This I is have incredible. been keeping it for the pod. I obviously like a couple of people. <laughs> also, sorry, this is longer than sixty seconds. Someone went up to Bo and Yang and said, "Oh my god, are you Bo and Yang?" Blah 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 blah. I was like, "Okay, I can't go over to him." now um but then that person went from Bo and yang to me and was like are you jazza john <laughs> no wait did he did he hear this exchange no, i don't think oh so my God, because, imagine. The, because i was just like well this is ridiculous that this has happened because i haven't put a i've put like one video on the internet in the last year um and then i was i genuinely built up the courage to like say hi but like i just think you're making really good stuff keep doing it so I'm about to leave and I'm like, it's now or never. I go into Bo and Yang and I go, hey, I think you're making great stuff. And he went, thank you so much. I try my best. And I went, oh, no, don't try your best. Make sure they get their money's worth. What? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no. This really took so many turns, Jazza. 
I don't know. And then I just, and then I just left. That and then oh, no. and then he followed me to the bus stop because he was leaving with his friends. Oh, to, and no. thank God he didn't get on the same bus as me. But it was it was terrible. It was really horrific. And so now we can't be friends because I'm just going to be replaying that in my head for the rest of my life. Oh. And like, what's so wild is that you had like an actual professional link to this man that you could yeah. have mentioned. This yeah. fucking oh. podcast, you. Oh, absolute... I'm not saying I've done episodes and reviewed your acting. I'm not yeah, telling him that in the great. middle of the club. Should have been it was like, great. but we could just been like, really, really love your stuff. I, I am like a, a film journalist. You can say that podcaster. That's what you mm-hmm. do. And you okay. could have been like, we, we we specifically talk about queer movies and we bloody loved Fire Island and you deserved yeah. no, everything I you got from it. Because it's true, that, we Roman. did. Um, so in another in another universe, he could have been a guest on the podcast, but I don't oh, think that's ever going to happen. don't bring that into the... Don't, like, the worst timeline <laughs> we're currently in where that didn't happen because you said just yeah, the worst sentence that. that could have come out of your mouth. Yeah, classic. It just made no sense. Anyway, what's the gayest thing you did? Um... I don't really think I can top that at all. What absolute chaos. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what I did do. I did, I, I sent my first four chapters and a full outline to my agent of the fiction, like book I'm writing. And she came back and she really, really liked it. And every single comment, there were some actual comments that were useful to the, you know, the, the writing and everything. But a lot mm-hmm. of the comments were just her. Like I was clicking on them really nervous. It, this was a comment where she would be like, terrible, take this out. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. instead it was just her being like, lol mood. And like, <laughs> even even in space the gays do be doing this and i'm like oh i love you so much so it was um i had a really good uh good gay feedback from from my agent on that amazing fantastic i can't wait to read some of your space opera it's gonna be great well i mean now you've said that on air we got julio can we clip it um if you don't you've broken the law that's how this works <laughs> i can't wait to read whatever you're writing mm-hmm. at least one <laughs> sentence of it we are not american and therefore hallmark movies aren't really a staple of our culture although i did just move to new york and so i'm a proper new yorker now um that's why rowan has been wonderful and gone away and done some top tier research on what i'm hallmark and why i'm gonna get to that in a second but just to let you know what else will be going on uh, in this podcast, it's the same as every episode, but in case this is your first time joining, after that, we are going to be reviewing the plot, splitting the film into three acts as we do, because, you know, the three-act structure, it's so universal. As such, we will be spoiling all of this movie, so feel free to watch it if you really want to um, and come back to us when you've seen it. <laughs> but to be honest, it it follows a very classic formula. It's very predictable, so you won't be missing much. Like You can already probably guess the plot. Can I just say the the depth of meaning in that short pause between you can watch it and if you want to was profound. I say what I mean and I mean what I say, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Without further ado, let's find the funds to defer our flight to Hawaii three times in the week before Christmas and review The Holiday Sitter. Okay, so... Hallmark. We need to talk about Hallmark. Hallmark is one of those brands in the US which has a very long history, but it's very interesting history that I feel like not a lot of people necessarily know the beginnings of, although you can definitely see the tendrils of what it used to be still Mm. in there, I would say. So I feel like when people hear the word Hallmark, they think of rom-coms primarily. They think of the original movies. They think of it being kind of like low budget, fine to bad acting, 
and actually probably the same goes for script as well. Uh, zero creativity in terms of directorial choices, <laughs> potentially because there simply isn't time. So um, this is all I would say pretty accurate. Like the stereotype is kind of accurate. It's, it is a lot of rom-coms. A typical Hallmark release costs just $2 million to produce, which is oh, wow. essentially nothing. That is a hundred times less than like blockbusters that you would see right so like no, uh, no way home for example i know is a 200 million dollar budget mm -hmm. so quite literally a hundred times more expensive which you know you would expect but two, two million sounds like a lot until you actually get into the fact you're having to pay for literally everything and everyone who works on that movie and that suddenly uh, the money just goes and so it's no surprise that because of that low budget, they are attempting to fit things into a very tight timeline, especially because Hallmark will produce like dozens of movies just for their Christmas season. So the filming itself apparently takes just 15 days for a typical oh Hallmark my, movie. That's wild. Which means no fancy camera angles, hence why the directing is pretty bland. Mm -hmm. No kind of pushing to overtime. Very few retakes apparently. So there's really no room for the actors to do much like figuring out different choices for their character, like anything like that. It feels like it's uh -huh. just like, okay, go, go, go. Um, and then the editing team often has about two weeks to edit the entire movie. You're joking. Mm -mm, nope, that is what I, I read a few. There's been a few deep dives actually within pr probably the last like five years. A bunch of them have been done and this is kind of what gets talked about. There's a lot of like anonymous insider knowledge and like leaked <laughs> info, mm -hmm. which is all very clandestine. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's it's been the, the plot of these movies has been especially the Christmas ones because it's not just Hallmark's not just for Christmas gang. It's, uh, it's a it's, channel it's, all year round. Capitalizing all year round. Truly. Um, and so the here's the plot. This is, the, this is the plot, this is the joke, right? You've got a typical city-dwelling rat woman um, who loves to do business and has to come back <laughs> to her family town and or some other kind of small town for some reason where she meets herself, the small town, hunky local bakery owner mm -hmm. slash lumberjack slash architect slash dad and at first oh they couldn't be more different they d they don't see eye to eye but then they find they have common ground and at the end they're kissing you know it's there's it's all very cute you can probably see jazza as someone who has watched this film how that is essentially been superimposed onto this movie as well. This is a. This is not like a. It's a gay hallmark movie. Therefore, we're going to treat it differently. The main character in this is just the city dwelling rat woman. Um. Yeah. Hundred percent. Like the the opening scenes of. Oh, I'm I'm here and I'm overworked and uh, mm. I'm married to my job and I never even think about love. Um. I was like. I don't know, the familiarity I actually quite enjoy, to be completely honest. And that's what the appeal is. This is what the appeal is. And this is the appeal of a lot of these genres where things, which I think a lot of people think about, when I say these genres, a lot of people think about romance, right? They think the idea of like this set plot, this set stock characters, all of this kind of stuff. And I think that there is this element of, we know what's gonna happen, we therefore there is a satisfaction in the payoff when that does happen, right? Mm -hmm. I think it gets looked down on, I would say a lot, particularly as a more, uh, like women oriented stereotypically kind of genre because you could say the exact same thing about a bunch of male dominated genres of like action movies of who, mm -hmm. like murder whodunit type things although I would argue that they have actually the strongest like I used to work at a publisher and in terms of crime and thriller middle-aged women were actually the highest proportion of that audience for book content but yeah because of the stereotypes you 
I feel like the idea that it's stock, as you said, is not necessarily a bad thing, but uh, we, you know, the criticisms of these particular Hallmark movies are not because they're stock romances, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned before about these interesting little tendrils that come and you sort of hinted at it earlier when you talked about the idea of banning a gay ad. So for those who don't know, essentially in December of 2019, the channel stopped airing these ads for a wedding registry, like an online wedding registry called Solar that included like two brides kissing because they had complaints that this was like not family friendly, like promoted same-sex marriage, whatever mm-hmm. that means. They were actually lobbied by a, by an organization called One they Million Moms. The, mm. Just the worst. Um, <laughs> yeah, not nice people. But they did very quickly, like within the same month, like there was a very quick turnaround, reverse that decision and actually mm-hmm. reinstated the adverts and went further than that to say that they were going to work with Glad, which is, I'm sure everyone who listens to the podcast knows this, is kind of like a media monitoring organization i guess specifically for lgbtq plus media to create more inclusive programming and i think that that idea of hey how have they gone from banning these ads to doing a movie like this in in like three years is because of the fact that they had this proactive kind of immediate response to them banning this ad unbanning it but saying we're actually going to work on our programming that meant that they could be putting out queer content very quickly afterwards other than the fact that obviously they um, t- take about seven days to write, shoot and edit the thing. Mm-hmm. But this is not very surprising that there might have been this initial backlash to this ad because it is hugely popular with red states. Conservative, conserv- American conservatives. State, yes. yeah. American conservatives because the colors are the opposite around in the uk yeah so uh ratings for hallmark programs for example are higher by 50 percent or more outside of the top 10 tv markets which are very blue state centered like new york la san fran boston chicago things like that it's very like known that this is a kind of within kind of central to right-leaning america and a reason for this might be the fact that initially this was originally a christian specific mm-hmm. set of programming for a very long time, it was like all religious. And then slowly it's the company started to have more involvement or be bought by or be part owned by other companies. And so the most significant ones being Hallmark Entertainment and the Jim Henson company. And so for a while it was like the Hallmark and Henson like network mm. until it got rebranded as just Hallmark. And so for a while there, like the the uh, a Hallmark and Henson network was uh, what they were called in 1999. And they decreased the religious programming, but there was still like four hours a weekday and more uh, on like Sundays and at, at religious holidays and stuff. And so it's slowly been getting to the point where I don't think anyone associates Hallmark with specifically like Christian worship mm-hmm. kind of like programming but this idea of it being very right-leaning is still somehow baked in in a way it's still something that people feel a connection to because of these ideas that go along with that of like traditional family values and like steering clear mm-hmm. of political themes and stories that go against religion and like all of these things that might be alienating to an audience who was more right-leaning. And a critique of the main character very often being from uh, coastal cities Mm -hmm. where it's more socially liberal, maybe they go out more, they date more liberally. And like I was watching this and it felt like I was watching propaganda. Mm, um, it yes. felt so much like heteronormative propaganda of, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, move out of the city, move close to your parents, have a nuclear family, 
like literally the romantic interest does the sign of a cross on on himself so it many seems times, unironically times. yeah it was it was a very odd watch from that perspective it's really interesting and when you think about the fact that this is also like kind of how women are treated within these productions as well i feel like there's two very different uh potential agendas in making women learn the big lesson to be that they should care more about family and children than they should about their work Mm -hmm. and then also gay people are good when they want to be like us and are very much in the heteronormative sort of like framework. I think both Mm -hmm. of those are really interesting things that are essentially gotten to, like that end is gotten to by the same means almost, like the same storyline is kind of pigeonholing both of these demographics of protagonists that we can see within Hallmark movies. But yeah, so now now this is this is kind of what we have. This is one of the very uh, few Hallmark movies that have queer sort of characters in the forefront. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have been calling this one the first, I think it's like the, the what were they calling it? The it's first... the first Hallmark produced one. Well, no. With an LGBT lead, is it not? So a lot of people have been talking about this being their first gay Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. But actually, they had another one last year with Jonathan Bennett in it called The Christmas House. But it was, it's an ensemble kind of lead role, right? It's not like there's the one lead. So it's like a bunch of, it's like two brothers come back and it's like the story of the whole family doing their house up for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And he is in that and he has like an existing husband. And so it's like the stories of these different couples and their trials and tribulations and whatever. So it's not, I would say it's not technically the first if we're going with like having gay leads at all but it it seems Mm -hmm. to be the first one where it's like this is the sole romantic rom-com type lead Mm -hmm. and it's very interesting considering how many hundreds nay thousands of these movies have been made that we're only just getting to this point and in fact there was only a lesbian kiss for the first time last year in any of their media so well that's because lesbians aren't real that is true we just come out as like a little ghost or yeah, like a exactly, or a for, or a forgotten about coworker slash friend, like in this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, yeah, she who's was one there of them. at the very, very beginning, she was and then never appears never again. again. So, shall we dig into the uh, the movie itself? I'd love that. Let's go. So whenever we do these reviews, we will split the plot into three acts. I open this act with, well, I'm calling the first act, straight people adopt two, open brackets, <laughs> question mark, close brackets. Because I think I actually genuinely forgot that straight people do <laughs> adopt. And oh you know what God. I really appreciated being being reminded of that by this movie you know i love how it raises awareness you know what i yeah, mean we're not just Incredible. laughing we're learning um i love that um so yeah i mean i i i've kind of been deferring to you on the act names recently and i'm happy to continue doing that because i feel like you come up with some absolute bangers <laughs> unless there's any that i i suddenly come to be in a flash of inspiration so yeah essentially act one begins at the beginning uh with sam <laughs> the gay scrooge mm-hmm who mm-hmm. I I have written in my notes, I predict will learn to love kids. Uh-huh. And I mean, don't jump to conclusions, I, Rowan. Well, you never know, know what's going like, to happen. I, d- I feel like it would have been a really bold move for this movie to end with him being like, yeah, I'd, mm-hmm. I really like you, but I just don't, I just don't see myself ever wanting kids, but yeah. you seem like a nice guy, ready to never see you again. Mm-hmm. So, um, Do you remember his name? It's Sam, the gay Scrooge. No, 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 sorry. The name of the, the guy who he dates at the very beginning. At the very beginning, no. 
So he's on, so we, we we open up, he's on a date in New York. We're in New York, obviously. Oh my God, I'm so stressed. I've been working so hard, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. And then Dr. Vance DeBlaine turns oh, up. Oh, I didn't even um, and he's like, that. Oh, I loved this. <laughs> I, I, I loved this and it was downhill from here. Dr. Vance DeBlaine turns up and he goes, I'm sorry, surgery overrun i was busy doing like brain surgery on classic shit that someone would say if they were pretending to be a doctor i don't trust this man (laughs) as far as i can throw him exactly and i think he also introduces himself as hello i'm dr vance (laughs) md uh md and then he uh starts talking about ah i am really looking forward to the holidays because of my little niece here's my little niece and sam we get character development sam doesn't like kids Mm -hmm. and as you said is he going to learn to love Oh, them? it's like a niece and nephew because he's like, oh, there's oh, there's two of them. And I really yeah. felt of an affinity with Sam in that moment because I too look at children, just like a photo of a child. And I'm like, that could be a stock image. Like I am like, wow, they look like kids. Like at least Rowan, give me a video the of them budget, doing something fun. Knowing the budget, it probably was oh, that's a fair. stock image. Imagine if it still had like stock photo across it, like the watermark was, st- was still there. So, like, we can't <laughs> afford to take off the watermark. <laughs> i'd love that especially if if it was like a hallmark mm, oh my god wouldn't that be great <laughs> like, it's just it's just a photo to... of a hallmark card <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh someone someone hire us um <laughs> so this movie does something really interesting and i don't know whether it's because there were two guys and they got confused but um it gives us the point of view of the other character and i feel like a lot of the times in rom-coms traditionally it's like you follow one love interest out of the two so someone i guess tell us if you uh, are like Rowan, you fool. That's what they do in every Hallmark movie. But that was very interesting to me because we also get Jason who's on a phone call to his mum, who literally lives across the street. Mm-hmm. Incredible. And to really contrast him with Sam, we have him going out of his door and immediately getting into a snowball fight with some, what <laughs> I thought were random kids on the street, but I get out of here, kids. like nieces and nephews because he's fun and festive and also spontaneous. <laughs> and at this point I put Hallmark movies have no personality to the directing, which upon further research does make sense. But yeah, the script is essentially just a series of pieces of exposition, one after another with absolutely zero subtext or knew what's going on whatsoever. So you literally have like mm-hmm. the sister of the gay Scrooge, Sam, realizing, oh no, honey, the surrogate that we have for our baby has gone into labor two weeks early because the baby was meant to be born in New Year's, but it is in fact Christmas. Oh no, what will we do? We will have to find someone to look after our existing children who are 13 and one younger, and he is not old enough to look after on his own. <laughs> Okay, let's go through everyone we know. We could ask mum, except for, and just they just have this. That's the scene. It's mm-hmm. just them actually having a discussion, which you know is realistic, but isn't interesting. And so, it's just the most like exposition heavy thing you've ever seen, which gets. I'm gonna maybe it's just my opinion. Gets very boring very quickly. Oh, I well, I don't know. I feel like we can summarize quite quickly what all of the exposition yeah maybe they should have summarized like, it very quickly jazza yeah, yeah maybe <laughs> in like the first in, in the first like 45 minutes it's all exposition mm-hmm. so they're gonna have the baby is early they need somebody to babysit them yeah um this yeah the, the cishets they need someone to babysit their children can we ask the neighbor next door who actually is already helping us out with painting and we know is really good with kids no of course not let's ask my estranged not estranged but my my gay brother who hates children who's about to go on holiday and i'm gonna call him up and make him cancel his flight or move his flight or whatever because he's meant to be going to honolulu the brother says yes because siblings they have like 
beef with one another and she's she's calling in like a favor that she did like 20 years ago or whatever classic and then hilariously not to spoil anything but that neighbor who's really good with kids just ends up looking after the kids the entire time mm-hmm. anyway yeah almost 100%. like he could have just done it to begin with i have a question Rowan. Yeah. if you had if you were in this situation and you were about to get on a flight to honolulu and your your sibling mm-hmm. calls up and goes hi can you look after the can you not go on the flight and look after the kids and if you don't, I'll tell mum and dad about that time I covered for you in like, in year six. Would you do it? So go fuck yourself. I'd say, I'd say <laughs> that, see, that, Matt, that is what real, yeah. that is what real sibling I would pick, rivalry is pick like. one of the three siblings I have. I'd be Elliot and or Ben and or Matt. <laughs> no, um, I'm simply getting on a plane, hire a babysitter. Yeah, maybe pay somebody. The end of story. Like, you've, <laughs> there's not really much else to do with this. Also, like, was there a reason they couldn't just take the kids with them? I'm sure they got explained in the exposition that I slept through. But um, is it because of the play? There is a play oh, that's happening. Oh, of course, they couldn't miss the play. They couldn't miss the which play. the mum had forgotten about. So maybe that wasn't it. Um, mm-hmm. So at this point, I also wanted to ask some questions of you. Oh, what's going on with Hallmark and capitalism? Like, do they think capitalism is bad? And also, like, he specifically has a job where he just looks after rich people. So, like, is it like... No, 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 no. They think... Let me tell you, they love capitalism, but in terms of, like, small businesses. So they love the idea of, like, a mom and pop shop or, like... Yeah, exactly, bootstraps. They hate the idea of somebody, like, working in tech, working in something Mm. that doesn't have intrinsic value, like like media. I thought you were going to say, like me. I'm like, like yeah, just fair. You do do work for the machine. If you weren't able to... um, Don't bring my employer into this. (laughs) But (laughs) if you're not able to explain it to like somebody in the 1940s then it's not a real job in their eyes yes which is why all of the all of the love interests are like ski instructors or carpenters or teachers it's like that meme that you won't know because it won't have reached youtube shorts yet because it's on tiktok of course yeah about well i watch i watch tiktoks two weeks later on youtube shorts because i'm an adult okay so it might just have reached you but there's this meme of like (laughs) people making lists of what would take out a child from like the 1800s and it's things like the Gangnam Style video music video and stuff like that where it's like if you were to show it to them they die <laughs> sure yeah, but it's yeah, really yeah. funny because I saw one the other day where the one girl starts with like something like Gangnam Style and the other one just goes diphtheria and then it goes <laughs> and this girl can't stop laughing she's like I think I fundamentally misunderstood the assignment and it was just her going back and the other person's like I don't know something like an ice rink that like we've built ourselves or something inside of a mall and the other one's like cholera and it just kept, <laughs> just kept going so I feel like yeah the answer is like if it could if it could take out a child in the 1800s, it's not a job we're allowed to have in a Hallmark movie. That's the rule. No ice skating or Korean pop stars. That's what we've decided. This is also the point where the propaganda really gets turned up to, to 10. Mm. And I, I take up with it because we're introduced to a an underaged, straight relationship mm. blossoming. And I'm never going to tolerate Christian's talking about gay people grooming children. Because I'm sorry, this is making me uncomfortable. That child is 13. I Yeah, I also put, I don't care about these teenagers flirting. If this is a subplot, I will snore. It was, it was, and, and spoiler, I simply it did. was a, <laughs> I simply did. Yeah, it was these two like random children who had like a crush on each other. And I don't know whether they were trying to do like a Love Actually situation where it's like, oh, if you perform 
like we're going to perform in the play together but mm. somehow love actually managed to have like three times as many plot lines and still make me care more about the teenagers flirting i simply didn't care in this um and then there's also basically this was like really this movie really hits you over the head with like two elements one is like the romance element but the other one is specifically like babies <laughs> children mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so another bit of the romance element is the very short-lived lesbian co-worker slash friend that Sam oh, the Gay yeah. Scrooge has, who essentially has just gotten engaged and he doesn't seem to be a rom like a romance Scrooge. Like he seems to be excited about the fact that she's getting married and they have like a tiny mm -hmm. joke about the idea of like, oh, did you ever think you'd see the day? And her being like, more than anything, I hope one day you find a guy. And I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. so oh, savage. Yeah, you're not going to be able to be happy with unless you're in a, a heteronormative relationship. Yeah. And although it is very mm -hmm. accurate that lesbians do bully um, everyone else in the community, we are obviously known for being mean. Um, me, mm -hmm. for example, love to bully Jazza. Oh, yeah, case in point, every episode of this podcast. Which, I don't know, what even are you? A gay non-binary. <laughs> they're, they're my favourite ones to... <laughs> MB gay. MB gay. That's what we are. MB gay. They're my favorite ones to um, yeah. absolutely rip to shreds. So that's, that seemed very accurate to me. Mm -hmm. And we essentially at this point also get, we don't just get exposition. We get a flashback to show what they're exposing, which is the, the last time he tried to look after the kids, he managed to burn dinner and have a terrible mustache all at the same time. Yeah. And so he ends up arriving. His own niece doesn't recognize him because he no longer has a mustache. And that really is most... Oh, no, then they have a conversation later on. But that is the only reason that that child exists in this mm -hmm. in this movie. Yeah. We also, on the Jason side, who is the hot handyman next door who is going to make Sam love children, um, we get introduced to his brother, who is a widower now and is therefore a single dad. And actually, you know what? I am going to give them some credit of... There are lots of different types of families mm, in this are. movie. Um, uh, and I don't think I've ever really seen that. And I think that's a good thing. I love that. Did I miss the bit where it turns out he was a widower and I thought that he was just Probably. divorced? Yes. Um, <laughs> good to know. <laughs> good to know the like the, what was actually happening in there. <laughs> Hello, Jazza here for the ad read. We like to talk about our sibling podcasts who are also part of our network at Multitude. And this week, I want to talk to you about Pale Blue Pod. Pale Blue Pod is an astronomy podcast for people who are overwhelmed by the universe, but want to be its friend. Astrophysicist Dr. Moya McTeer and comedian Corinne Caputo demystify space one topic at a time with open eyes, open arms and open mouths from all of the laughing and jaw-dropping that inevitably happens. By the end of each episode, the cosmos will feel a little less, oh, it's so scary, and a little bit more, oh, it's so cool. There is, having listened to a few episodes, they're, they're pretty new. I love the wonderful, authentic nerd energy that just runs through this podcast like a stick of rock, and it's going to have you genuinely smiling like a goofball and commuting to work or doing whatever you do to distract yourself from the earth that we are traveling on through space there are new episodes every monday wherever you get your podcasts so go check them out give them some love we are also continuing to be supported with sponsorship by squarespace who can help you to buy a domain and create a website 
there are many, many people across the internet who want you to use their code. I just ask that you consider us the next time that you buy a website or domain. We personally use Squarespace as a way to be able to create our own queer movie podcast website and it gives us great access to stuff like analytics. We have access to email campaigns and uh, we're able to connect all of our social media, our Instagram and our Twitter all in one place. So yeah, use them the next time you're thinking about making one of these purchases. Just go to squarespace.com slash queermovie and when you're set up to make all your digital dreams come true, then you can use our offer code queermovie and save 10 percentage points off of your first purchase of a website or domain. Remember to go to squarespace.com slash queermovie. This episode, we're also sponsored by brilliant.org. Why not balance out the outstanding media analysis that we do on QMP by using Brilliant to expand your horizons into the fields of maths, science and technology. Rowan in last week's ad read talked about gays not being good at maths and I don't want to turn this into an inter-ad read war but we literally have Alan Turing on the £50 note who is a gay man who helped to crack the Enigma code in World War II, is a renowned mathematician we can do maths and we have fantastic queers who do maths rowan and so i want all of you to feel empowered to do so and not feeling like you have to blaze your own trail at brilliant.org they have thousands of lessons and keep adding new ones each month so the well of knowledge you're feeding from is constantly replenished Brilliant can help you bring out your inner Turing, but let's start with baby steps. Maybe give yourself an introduction to algebra or a class called Algorithm and Fundamentals. Their bite-sized classes can take you from beginner to advanced in no time. To get started for free, visit brilliant.org slash queermovie or click on the link in the description. The first 200 of you to do so will get 20% off Brilliant's annual premium subscription. Very fancy, very nice. We endorse. Now, back with the show. I, at this point, I think, jumped into my Act 2, but I don't know whether you had where you'd placed act two for you. Yeah, act two does appear around here. And my naming for act two is thus. This movie shows the reality of the fear of being queer, moving out to the suburbs, reducing your dating pool and settling for somebody for whom you have zero chemistry. Incredible and accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, I should point out around, you know, who knows when act one and act two happen somewhere. I didn't actually fall asleep during this, but I, I think maybe my brain shut down. But somewhere in there, mm-hmm. they also met by doing a classic fall into each other's arms. Of course. They do this a couple of oh, times throughout God. the movie as well. Uh, just mm. the worst. No wrestling though. I don't, I make a comment about this later, Jessa. Um, <laughs> it's uh, essentially, there's just, it becomes very apparent at this point that everyone else just seems to be acting in one of the Hallmark movies that I like not necessarily literally Hallmark movies, but the kind of movies that are of this genre that are a bit more serious in that mm-hmm. they, maybe there is like an actual like moment at the end where you're like, oh God, that got me in a way. Mm-hmm. Our main man, Sam, however, is not. He is in Dr. Seuss's Cat in the Hat. He's in a slapstick comedy. He's really in a totally different movie in terms of like, there's like a record scratch when he finds out he needs to babysit the kids. <laughs> oh my like, God, the record scratch. Like, what? 
I got to babysit mm-hmm. some kids. No what? way. Um, <laughs> and it, it's really frustrating because it, there's actually quite a few random like sound effects, which are not part of the world he's in that happen around him. And it, mm-hmm. he's simply not funny enough to earn them uh, is my, <laughs> my opinion. Ow. You need to earn a record scratch in my book. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so into into Act Two. Essentially, it's three days until Christmas. He is now looking after the kids, and um, it, it's just a series of him being like, "Oh, crazy! This kid has a crush, and I got to deal with it. Needs to be in a play or something. <laughs> this one's vegan now. Oh my god!" Um, can I just to uh, before we dive into this really fascinating part of the movie? Do you remember how Sam? cottoned on to the fact that jason is gay is it because he hugged he hugged a man a no it's a, that com- that comes that comes later oh, that's his ex okay um jason uh says oh i really like your and he names the brand of the loafer oh that he's wearing i see and sam goes hey how do you know what type of loafers these are. And then Jason gives a knowing look and that's how we know he's gay. Oh, incredible. I mean, they both yeah. had truly a horrendous fashion sense during this movie. Really terrible. Really bad. Really terrible. So that, Nothing fit that doesn't really make sense logically within the internal logic of the film that they've created. But there we go. Uh, we we also at this point get um, the, thank God, the only Mean Girls reference. Oh God. Where a, uh, <laughs> Sam is woken up by a dog licking his face uh and he goes stop trying to make fetch happen i yeah and everyone died of laughter which is why it was silent there's just a series of things in this which were like if they had just had like if they had the money to hire some kind of consultant on here for like continuity for example they whisked dry flour for quite a long time during one scene which was kind (laughs) of fun and then he goes what do we put in next and the guy goes flour and then he just put flour into the bowl of flour that he'd been whisking and i found that incredible um but basically like this is where the oh here's the plot happens because there is a lot of like subplots that essentially amount to very little but the main no, zero, the main plot plot is the idea of like hey i want to be a better uncle to look after these kids you know how to uncle because you have about a thousand ne- nephews and nieces and nibblings can yeah. you be my uncle consultant i will pay you money to do this and jason mm-hmm. i guess is like i love money and tank <laughs> capitalism you can explain this to somebody in the 1800s mm-hmm. exactly he's like that is that is my job now uncle consultant that seems like the kind of everyone was a bloody like had a had a ward in the edwardian times so this makes yeah. total sense and so this is kind of the idea of like hey you're hanging around and teaching me how to be a good uncle and then they go and do a bunch of christmas stuff together they go to the christmas fair that's very obvious it's in summer because it is very sunny and the snow is very sparse and there's entirely dry ground between all of the bits of snow because no one has been trailing wet footprints across beautiful set dressing stunning Mm -hmm. and there's also the line you're spending christmas in hawaii by yourself with such judgment from jason and i'm like yeah, and it sounds like a dream, Jason. Don't don't kill Sam's dream, sir. So did you get from Jason the slight I wanna murder you and wear your skin vibes? Oh yeah. There were a couple of moments. So there's a, a bit where Sam goes in because Jason has been helping Sam's sister uh, to paint the new nursery for the baby that's coming. And Sam goes in and and watches Jason do some of this painting. And I don't know what it is about the delivery, but it's very, I, I'll eat his liver with flava beans and a nice Chianti. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, Chianti. I always find, 
<laughs> Criante. <laughs> I always find painting to be soothing. And I don't know what it was about that delivery i was just like run run a mile i would really love it if someone in the audience could recut this movie as a trailer for a horror movie i feel like it would be really good fun because that definitely feels that feels like it has potential but yeah essentially i think it's just there's a certain type of blank blandness that will give way to spookiness if you let it and i think this unsettling blank page of a man was really really giving that spookiness that you picked up on Jazza. I, th- I fully agree. Yeah, 100%. So they start, they keep on kind of like having slight brush moments. So Jason is trying to teach them how to cook. Oh, how, try and bond with your nephews. I don't know. The main B plot, I feel like, is Sam trying to teach his nephew how to perform in the Christmas play Mm. uh, and how to speak with more confidence, which actually I did quite like those scenes. I thought they were kind of sweet. Eventually he wakes up one morning. I I think I've honestly, I think I've bugged up my notes because I feel like there's a big gap of like things that must've happened, but I just didn't write anything down. Nothing was important. Here's here's what, where, where did you, where is you, where have you jumped to? And I can fill you in on the unimportant stuff that happened. I've gone, I've gone from, so they're wrapping Christmas presents. Oh, hilarious. Try and wrap a scooter. Shall I tell you what happened before they tried to wrap the presents? Yes, go on. I took extensive notes apparently for who knows why. He slow motion fell into a Christmas tree to avoid a dog and then acted like it was the heaviest thing in the world and was crushing him <laughs> as, as two other people took it off him with zero difficulty. Um, they went on the light walk where they looked at all of the lights on the Christmas trees in the neighborhood, which is when he mm-hmm. says, hey, this was my ex. Uh, I, I'm not into him anymore. <gasps> yeah. I'm just a bit jealous because I always wanted to kind of when I grow when I grew up to like get married and be a dad. And at that point I wrote down, huh, interesting because he wouldn't have been able to get married or potentially even adopt when he was uh, growing up at this age. Mm-hmm, and then I mm-hmm. was like, mm, interesting, missing out on like political angst seems quite hallmark. We will find out later that this does actually come back and get commented on at the end, however, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And he reveals that he wants to actually adopt alone. He doesn't want to wait till he's in a relationship. So he wants to be a dad that badly. Then the baby's been born. And my notes are just, we're spending way too much time with these heterosexuals. And that was like a whole plot line that didn't need to be in there. We didn't need to keep checking back on these people. Oh, also the dad gets introduced and I don't know why he's in this movie. Oh yeah. Is it just just to to show that grandparents should also be around it's the propaganda yeah because it's it? like he does this yeah. whole thing sam does this whole thing where it's like oh it's not just me who's going to hawaii like my parents aren't together and like my dad lives in a cabin or whatever like there's a lot sure. of this element of we're not a real family because we're not together at christmas so mm-hmm. they had to get back together i also have a line which does harken back to what you said about they're not fist fighting because for those who aren't aware, me and Jazza have noticed uh, a very interesting trend where when they want it's to make... It's a very make, interesting trend. When they yeah. want to make gay guys make out in movies, they often make the gay guys just wrestle each other on the ground first. Like, so often. And I and I will say, that is that is what a lot of my teenage romance that's valid. started as. <laughs> yeah, that's valid, you know? It's a trope, but it's a valid trope. That's based on true events from Jazz's <laughs> life. I, I actually consulted on all of those movies. That's the problem. Uh, and then my notes for, for what happened when I really, really felt that imagery come to the fore for me was when Sam goes, can I help? With very dramatic music as they make Santa waffles and then in brackets, just fight then fuck, I can't take this lack of chemistry. <laughs> 
and uh, then we get to them wrapping Christmas presents together. So as you can tell, very little of, of consequence happened. You miss nothing, Jazza. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm very happy about that. So they wrap Christmas presents. Ooh, lol, hilarious, great. At some point, Jason gives Sam a present. So it's like a shitty Christmas jumper that says, nice, great. Santa's going to bring him presents. <laughs> Irony. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then under because we've been told Sam's not nice. And then underneath that, he's got the genuine present, which is it's just a jumper. And Sam has an incredibly intense emotional reaction to the jumper, and he goes, "It's perfect." And I'm like, "You haven't spoken about your love of jumpers up until this point. Mm-hmm. All he's done is said, I thought this color would look nice on you, which I guess would make you think, oh, he's thought about it.' But this isn't the emotional reaction to this does not." Um, marry up with what has just happened here. Yes. Essentially, there's been no chemistry. There's been no real buildup of the relationship. And then so completely unearned, they have a moment where they hold hands and then they like have to take their hand away because it's like, oh no, we held hands. We couldn't possibly. And I I really feel like I need to point out to these Hallmark uh, filmmakers, just because Sam can now talk to children, it doesn't mean he wants them. That's not how that works. (laughs) Just because he can make some waffles doesn't mean he's suddenly like, wait, children mm-hmm. have i <laughs> this whole time and then i also put at this point okay the baby is still alive and we have to see it for some reason which i guess was about the fact we had flashback once more to this baby that the straight couple are adopting but did you notice how little engagement with said baby i don't know if you've been around like newborn babies but you literally have to be attentive to them all of the time oh. and they just put this yeah. <laughs> I've watched this literally... movie, Jazzer. I know what you do. You adore it. <laughs> yeah, they just put this baby down. This baby doesn't cry once. Mm-mm. And this baby just be- gets put down and they just kind of like, nobody interacts with it. Nobody picks it up. Nobody kind of like comforts it. It's a, it's very, it's very odd. Jazzer, I have a theory. Oh, we no. never see the woman who goes into labor. We never see the the person who gives birth to this child no we don't which i also thought was a bit odd yeah what if it's a reborn what's a reborn <gasps> jazza i feel so happy for you that you don't know about this so basically it's it's hyper realistic dolls oh no what if they have just bought a hyper realistic doll and this whole thing and the reason why the youngest girl is like i don't like that my parents have left me at christmas is because she knows they're going to pick up a doll and all of this is and so that's the reason why they aren't checking on this baby is because it doesn't need feeding it doesn't need it's literally Mm -hmm. just a lifeless doll it is the ultimate realization that is inevitably going to happen in our culture when a straight couple gets so boring that they need to spice up their life somehow and so they have a kid. This allows you to have a kid, I guess, and not actually, mm. you know, do the thing. Yeah, so I, you know what, until someone from the movie calls me up directly on the landline that I don't have and tells me that that's mm-hmm. wrong, that's yeah. that's true now. Yeah, guilty until proven innocent, it's true. Exactly. So it's at this point after we've had like this weird Christmas jumper exchange and Sam getting weirdly emotional about this guy that he knows he isn't compatible with. I moved into act three. I don't know if you you'd moved to act three at this point. Yes. So this because this is the point where we have the closest thing to a party. <laughs> um, and it is for me the Christmas play. Yes. The play and its aftermath. <laughs> Yeah, the open brackets, Christmas play, closed brackets, party and its aftermath. Stunning, yes. 
We made it work. We made it work. Um, this play is one of the worst attended plays that I've ever seen in a movie. In a movie, not in real life, because plays in real life often very badly attended. <laughs> often very badly Again, attended. Just, uh, their attention to detail to reality in this movie is incredible. <laughs> I've been to the Edinburgh Fridge. I have been one of three people in an <laughs> audience before. Uh, uh, and this is n- not a good play. Surprise. Um, nobody is dressed up. No one's put any effort into this play. They're just some kids are the some of the kids are wearing scarves and like mm. wears Wally um hats. Is the play a metaphor for this movie? I hope so. Maybe. And Sam and Jason team up. They're like high five. Yeah, we're now like the tech uncles, and because they've brought a camera because the parents can't watch them play, and they've brought a backup and like like yeah backup, and now they're. I guess a team. <laughs> Stunning. Couldn't couldn't have just like used their phones or anything. They had to be really inconvenient to get some tripods out. Oh yeah, literally whole whole shebang. So they we get to to Christmas Eve and the 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 point where I thought Jason was going to kill Sam happens. So mm. Jason says we're going to turn off all of the lights because <laughs> we used to turn off all of the lights and just kind of like be present. Mm-hmm. Which you know, fine. People are into that mindfulness stuff. They turn off the lights, they look at the tree, they kind of start holding hands, and then Jason starts humming Silent Night. And I swear, if a, if he had brought out a knife and just stabbed Sam to death at this point, you wouldn't have been surprised. I actually would have preferred the, I would have preferved mm. it in the movie as a movie. I think Shocking that, it twist have ending that turn. to Hallmark's first gay Christmas movie. <laughs> Hallmark's first gay They lulled Christmas us into a movie. false sense of security and then they went straight for the homicidal <laughs> homosexual. Yeah, there was just like the line in that whole section, which is clearly meant to be like, oh, the sweet, like little quiet moment of romance where he's like, the anticipation, so much is about to happen. Oh, I love Christmas in the nighttime. I wish there was any chemistry to make that line worth it, mm-hmm. Uh, but they're simply not. I have a, a question, not so much for you, mm. but for the people who are making these these queer Christmas movies. Because we had a similar problem with Single All The Way last year, mm-hmm. where it felt like there was zero chemistry with the couple that ended up getting together. Yeah. And this has happened now. Now, from my experience, gay men are fantastic at pretending that they have chemistry. Mm. The whole... Grinder just floated on the New York Stock Exchange. If gay men had a problem pretending to have chemistry with strangers that they've just met, Grinder would not be the success that it is today. So how have they managed to do castings of these these two big kind of like queer holiday movies and found people that just don't have any of that togetherness? So I think a big part of the of this is is exactly what I mentioned before about the fact that the two leads seem to be in very different vibes of movie. And there is a Mm -hmm. moment, there is a brief second of a moment, which I think is almost right at the end. I think it might be just after they've kissed and you see both of them and they both have the same kind of smile on their face, which is quite like, (laughs) this is so specific, but it's, it's not that one of the characters is like overly goofy, bug eyed, like, Hollywood smile and the other one's doing a soft, sweet Hallmark movie smile. They both genuinely are just smiling and they're, and it's like they have a little inside joke together and whatever. And in that one mm-hmm. second of the movie, I was like, that's what they needed to have been doing this entire time. They needed mm. to have been making it so that both of them were on the exact same wavelength with it. So when they look at each other and you're meant to see that there's some kind of connection, 
there is a genuine moment where they're like they have a secret smile with each other or they're having like an eye mm -hmm. roll with each other or there's some kind of like levity humor tension to it where they both mm -hmm. are, are on the same wavelength with what that vibe and energy is and i think the big problem for me was you can never have chemistry where you have characters who are feel like they are so completely in a different vibe of movie it's just not going to work because you can never get them to a place where they genuinely feel like they are connecting in that moment because there is such mm -hmm. performativity to it at least for me that's my two cents on the on this issue because you're right it shouldn't have been that difficult to happen yeah i think that was really good and they should probably hire you so uh sam tries to give jason the money that they agreed on but we later find out that jason doesn't want his money why are you just paying me i'm not a common uh, whore. uh a common whore <laughs> yeah, even exactly. though it's almost like that was the agreement that they came to and if he had yeah. just not given him any money then he would, would be within his worse. rights to be like my dude i literally did all of this for the promise of money and you've given me absolute you've been like okay bye i'm going to hawaii mm -hmm. now and so uh he, sam has decided not to go to hawaii and instead spend Christmas with his family. Snooze. Christmas <laughs> this morning, uh, the kids get to meet their new little sister and they turn around and just go, baby. <laughs> so that's so that's fun. Yep. Um, they've named the kid after her, uh, after Sam as well. Mm -hmm. It's called Angelica Samantha. So that's sweet. And uh, the dad then triggers his gay son by suggesting pancakes because that's what, Jason taught Sam how to make uh, and he goes into the other room to have a breakdown over pancakes. It's really funny because I actually, so I only saw this movie, watched this movie right before we recorded. So it was nice and fresh in my mind. And also because mm. I forgot before then to do it, um, which is very me. Um, but I had seen someone had done a TikTok where they were like, if you don't know the context for this scene, this is completely unhinged and hilarious. <laughs> and play the scene. And I didn't realize the scene was from this movie. So the scene is just an old man saying, I'd love some pancakes. And then it pans, it just cuts to a man looking at him. Who oh, immediately, does it pan to a man? Oh, no, it, doesn't, it cuts, it doesn't, it doesn't pancake oh. to a man. Unfortunately, it cuts <laughs> to a man who has a split second of hearing what he's just said and then his face crumples and then he runs away crying. And I was like, I remember watching that TikTok and being like, God, I guess I'll never know what the context of that was. Uh, and then to my surprise, it turns up in this movie and was hysterical nonetheless, even with context. And it is at this point where they do actually bring up that political angst option that I had uh -huh. talked about earlier, which was the idea of like, this man just casually says like, oh yeah, I'd, I'd always dreamt of like getting married and being a dad when I grew up. And I was like, huh, but did you though? Like that feels like that's something more complex there. And they did it at the end instead, but with the other character with Sam, mm -hmm. but it kind of became this like reasoning of like, oh, the only reason why I said I didn't want kids and a husband and stuff was because I just hadn't really realized I could, but now I do, of course I want kids. Oh, I'm so silly. I, I understand your cynical reading of it. I did also think it was very... Please, Jazza, give the less cynical reading because I do also <laughs> think that what you're about to say, I'm sure, is also very correct and I probably was also feeling that under the surface. Yeah, 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 of course. Rowan does have some feelings. Um, Allegedly. I, I loved this... I, I would just clip this part of the movie as kind of like a way of, especially for gays of my generation. Um, I don't think we've really... Because 
because so much has changed in our lifetime, I don't think we really realise how much we were affected by the environment that we were raised in in our formative years, where we didn't have the option, like, I mean, the equal age of consent when Mm -hmm. we were younger. We didn't have protections in law and we couldn't do the heteronormative things like get married and and adopt children if we wanted to. And I think that that is a subconscious psychological thing that not many people around my age have necessarily thought about, that that is something that has really, those restrictions when we were growing up in what a queer person would be able to do and what they could be have really affected how we think about what it is possible for us to be when we craft our own lives and we create our own worlds when we come to maturity and we choose to kind of like build an an adult life for ourselves. and I've never I don't think I've ever seen a movie address that phenomenon so head-on and I don't think it was the most articulate way of talking about it. And yes, it did have those heteronormative undertones of, well, oh, if only I had known I could have also had a, a partner and children, then of course I would have chosen it. I think that does exist in this clip. But I think it explains that phenomenon of what people my age went through. And I really appreciated mm-hmm. that. I I also do agree with that like I I'm very aware of the fact that like you say your age as if we're not the same fucking age Jazza um I definitely I feel like I'm older wiser a boomer yeah we understand exactly I essentially was like I was I was doing the like you know being being harsh on it to begin with as is my role in this podcast I've decided now um (laughs) but I also was like for what this movie was I was like yeah fair this is they were never going to go more than this. Like this was what it was. And I was surprised that they did actually mention it. Cause I fully thought mm. they were going to go completely like un angsty slash political angst in particular. I mm. wish that there had been like more, although say I'm saying this, but I'm also like this movie was just never going to be able to pull that off. But I do think there is a world in which there's a movie where they do have any kind of subtext or seeding to the idea of this is something that he does want, but he doesn't quite realize that he can have it or isn't ready to mm-hmm. make that step or he it doesn't feel like what everyone else talks about when they talk about it being like oh I was imagining my wedding dress when I was a kid and that idea of like oh if I haven't wanted something since the beginning of my life or haven't been planning for it forever then maybe I don't really want it enough am I wanting it for other people like there's a lot of complexities in that and I really wish that there had been like any subtext with the idea that like oh he does actually want this and not just the thing where he's adamant that he doesn't even when he's seen like his best friend who was a lesbian get to have it and stuff and even then Mm -hmm. he's not like yeah I didn't think it would happen not because you know because we're gay but at the beginning he talks about not thinking it will happen because you know we're we don't do romance us do ha 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 Mm -hmm. there were some elements some moments where I was like oh this could have been seeded in a really interesting way but then I suddenly remembered that I had clocked and scrolled back to because I couldn't quite place what the actor was going for in that moment where we didn't get this political angsty option before, where at the Christmas market, he says about, oh, I've always wanted this. Mm. And there's this really weird look that the actor gives. And now I'm like, was he trying to do a like, huh, like, ooh, but instead it just looks like an awkward uh... side eye where he's like, okay, weirdo, like, <laughs> should, <laughs> okay, ooh, you freak. Well, there's a, as we said, with tight turnarounds, there's only a certain number of takes. So I'm like, do. I'm saying yeah. this stuff. I'm so aware of the fact that like, there's not a world in which that could actually happen. But I do. But in terms mm-hmm. of you saying that this isn't like a, an experience you've necessarily seen played out, I really, I do want to see that because I feel that really hard. And I, and I also think mm. as well, there's like such a sh- small age difference between us and someone, even like eight years younger than us, ten years younger than us, 
but they have not had that same experience as us even yeah, as we're yeah. getting older and they are essentially our peers now a lot of these people mm-hmm. like it's it's like oh there is a fundamental difference in how we were raised because you were mm-hmm. you don't ever remember there being a time when you weren't legally equal in this country like that's not a thing you had yeah, to experience yeah. and understand and like be going into the world of adulthood knowing that that was or really believing that that was never going to happen like i found a um i think it was like a facebook post like your memory thing of you know and it says like oh you know 10 years ago this was something you posted mm-hmm. and i think it was like a year like a one of those classic like hey copy and paste this and answer the questions and mm-hmm. one of the things of like what do you think will happen in five years like, where will you be in five years and i think i put like I doubt it will happen, but like maybe I'll be able to get married as like one of the options. Mm-hmm. And I look back at that and I was like, oh fuck yeah. I feel like maybe a lot of us have just sort of pushed that particular trauma like down, like, oh, we don't have to deal with yeah, that anymore. Yeah, yeah, boop, yeah. Boop, boop. yeah, 100%. But I would love to, I, I agree with you. Like I would really, really love to see a movie that had a budget behind it, that had like a real consideration of the script and time for actors to actually act more than one take. Take, sure. <laughs> take on something like this in a way. Could be really interesting. A little bit of investment. Because I, yeah, I really, really appreciated them, like, addressing it so head on. Mm, Yeah. So then that touching scene happens, then they get together, the end. Yeah, that's literally it. Shall we review this movie, give it the ratings? Yeah, go on then. Cool. Here at the Queer Movie Podcast, we have a rating system where we award a movie that we talk about up to six of the original six coloured bars of the rainbow flag. They are red for life, orange for healing, yellow for sunlight, green for nature, blue for harmony, and purple for spirit. Rowan. Oh. <laughs> how how many bars are you going to give it in which colours? Oh, it's like one, maybe? <laughs> I just was so unconvinced by this movie. And you know what? I'm going to go with spirit. Uh huh. Just for that last final attempt at doing something, they got that. They had that spirit, the Christmas spirit. You know, <laughs> I think that's what I'm gonna go with. It was just this oh, wasn't boo. even like I could hate watch it. Like it was fundamentally just like very boring to me. And this is also from someone like I. I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I'm a fan fiction bitch. I. It's not that I don't do smaltzy or rom com or whatever. Like I'm an asexual fan fiction bitch. So everything I'm reading is like the opposite of what people think fan fiction is when they're like the hardcore sex happens i'm like i just want people to to fall in love and like all these misunderstandings to be cleared up la 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 so i was primed to be interested in this shit but it just wasn't Mm -hmm. it there was like so many random subplots that didn't go anywhere there was just i didn't feel the chemistry it was frustrating to me so yeah sadly it's a one for me uh jazza how about you yeah i i want to give it more than one Mm -hmm. And I've just sat here looking at the six bars of the rainbow flag and their meanings and being like, is there anything else I can give it? Mm. And I don't think there is. Actually, you know what you could do? You could give it yellow for sun because of the fact it was clearly filmed in the summer months when the sun was in very the- <laughs> bright for a winter for a winter set movie. Um, uh, no, I'm only going to give it one. Mm. I don't think it deserves it. Um, I loved some of the campness of the main character. And I loved... Uh, I liked that end kind of like political mm-hmm. commentary. I, I, and I liked the fact that you could probably cut this movie 
into like a trailer for a horror movie mm-hmm. and i really want somebody to do that um but otherwise it's it's it, it, this is not the one and it is not for me yeah do you know what i actually do you know what i loved mm? i love that this movie exists in theory i love that there's a hallmark <laughs> movie <laughs> with a gay lead that's what i'll say about it that's the best thing i think it's got going for it it's still only getting one step one, <laughs> one bar there. one bar for us Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy these episodes, then we ask that you consider supporting us on Patreon. As a patron, you can join the Queer Movie Club, where we do watch-alongs in our Discord each month. But that is only the bare minimum of what you can get. At high levels, you can also get our movie recommendations and a monthly newsletter with a curation of all of the gay shit we found on the internet. So thank you once again to Jennifer and Toby for supporting us at the highest tier on Patreon. We uh, adore you. You're the best. Thank you very much for making this happen. This absolute chaos. (laughs) The Queer Movie Podcast is edited by Julia Shafini. We're also part of Multitude Productions, so make sure you check out all of their other awesome podcasts full of both fun and frivolity. Make sure you follow and subscribe to this here podcast so that you are primed for our next episode. Happy holidays! Oh yeah, it's the holidays. (laughs) That's why we did a Christmas-related film. (laughs) This is why we suffered in this way, to watch the one Christmas-related gay film from this year. I remember now. Good to know. Oh, bloody hell. Okay, let's go. (laughs) 